Listening to Nerdy Jobs, a podcast presented by NerdsOnEarth.com. The mission of Nerdy Jobs is to highlight both the creativity and the professionalism of those who are behind the nerdy things we love. This episode of Nerdy Jobs features an interview with Reed and Josh, creators of the Sneak Attack podcast. Hello, nerds. I'm here with Reed and Josh of the Sneak Attack podcast, and I'm actually going to have Reed. Say sneak attack the way he says it because it is just perfect. Oh, now I have to think about it. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm in my own head already. We're off to a great start. Uh, so, so uh, sneak attack. There you go. That's how I say it. Yeah. Now that if you haven't heard the sneak attack podcast, it is great. It's a live play D and D podcast that is set in a world that Reed created and Josh lives in as a dwarf, and so. Uh, so I'm excited to have these guys, and what we're going to do with this podcast is we're going to talk a little bit about what's under the hood, how they do the podcast, their commitment to the podcast, how much work it takes to get it done, and all those sort sorts of things. But before we do that, I need to hear the origin story from these two guys. How did, how did you get started? How did you become a nerd? It all starts with Reed, man. Well, at least for your D&D side, it starts with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, for, for just my overall nerdiness, that stems all the way back to I believe uh, 1989, when uh, when I got my first uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. That was the year I was born. Yep. <laughs> uh, I I was two, so I'm, I wasn't much older than you. But uh, yeah, uh, that that was the start of it all. So I've loved video games pretty much my whole life, and. Uh, that lends itself to other nerdier endeavors, comics, that kind of stuff. And I actually worked at a video game store for uh, most of my like high school years and even into uh, my college life. And it was the people I met there that actually got me into D&D. Uh, one of my good friends, he, he and I were coworkers, and he said, hey, I'm starting this D&D game. Have you ever played? I said, no. D&D sounds crazy to me. It's like, you know, one step away from LARPing. Totally, totally. And, and uh, I said, I don't know if I'm ready to make that step. He goes, no, just give it a, give it a shot. I think you'd have fun. And I did, and I loved it. And uh, yeah, uh, a few years and ago. And you never go back. Yeah, no, I, I, I've yet to meet someone who's played D&D and was just like, yeah, it was just okay. Just, well, it's not my thing. I'm just, everyone I know who's played D&D is immediately latched to it. Definitely. So Josh, how about you? So I, uh, I have well has, have been a nerd for most of my life. And into video games since I was a kid, like Reed. Um, but there was probably, I think, like, the advent of my nerddom started uh, probably maybe like a year before I, I got married to my wife. I got really into board games. And so I started purchasing a ton of board games, wasting a lot of money on games that I, I didn't have enough friends to play with. And uh, eventually I met Reed, and we became friends. And I started thinking it'd be fun to make board games. So I started coming up with... which. Which is the next, like, you know, nerd level too far, where you're so into board games, you think you can make them now. Nice. And when really it's insane. Right. It's an insane thing to try to do, because <laughs> they're so complicated. Um, but, uh, so I would pitch all these ideas to read about different, like, board games that I think would be fun to make. And one day, we're on a, uh, we both do video work as well, or have done video work. And we're, we were on a video shoot together, I think. And I was just pitching him this idea about this board game I thought would be fun to make. I said... You know, we'll have different classes, kind of like in Lord of the Rings. There's like an archer and a fighter and a wizard. And 
and you'll play on a, on a tactile map with a bunch of squares. And each character, you know, they'll have, like, certain abilities they can use based on that character. And, like, and so I'm explaining all this, and he goes, dude, you're just talking about D&D. &D. And I said, I'm not, what are you talking about? D&D's that demon game from the, from the 80s and early 90s that, yeah, yeah, that, like, that, you know, you'd be possessed by the devil if you play. He goes, no, that's D&D. &D. What you're talking about is exactly because 4th edition had just come out. And 4th edition was super tactile. It was all about the battle map. And, uh, and so after he told me that, I was like, well, okay, I got to play D&D because I, I invented it. And Accidentally. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it must be fun. So, uh, yeah, we got into it. We, we got a group together and consisted of uh, a couple of guys that are on our podcast mm -hmm. as well as me and, and Reed was our dungeon master and, the rest is history, man. I fell in love. I, I, I really like the game. Well, that's a good segue, actually. So talk about the origin story of your gaming group. Like, how did the podcast gang get together? Uh, so apart from Kelsey, Josh's wife, um, the other two guys, Mike and Danny, I went to high school with them. So I've known them for, gosh, going on 10 plus years now. and uh, And so when... Josh and I were talking about this amazing new game that he'd come up with, and we decided we decided we would try and play D and D together. Um, I reached out to them uh, to see if they would be interested in, in playing with us, and uh, uh, they both were. They were both down, and they uh, they said that was fun. And then uh, that that game lasted a couple of years, probably. Yeah, it was pretty consistent before it just kind of petered out. Um, life gets in the way, as I'm sure everyone listening to the show can relate. Um, and then. Uh, along that way, um, I had like, I'd been interested in making a podcast for a while. Um, cause I think you have some self, some like level of self-importance where like people want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> right. Most of the time they don't. <laughs> As a white male, I believe everyone's interested in what my opinion is. So, uh, so I, I went, I tried, uh, I tried a podcast with some other friends of mine and we had a lot of fun, but it was just really like directionless and aimless and it didn't, uh, it didn't do super well. But I always, I still really like the idea of podcasting. And so uh, I'd kind of been tossing this idea around in the back burner of like, well, there's not a ton of really great D&D &D representation in podcasts, at least not from like an actual, like playing a game. And I'm talking like playing a game with good audio, good sound effects, like a focused story and not just like, you know, not just like guys like farting and belching around a table and eating potatoes. Just like actually like you come to play and hey, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But like I felt like those shows were represented well. Totally. So I was like, we're going to make something that is clean and uh, about the game, about the story. And obviously we're going to have fun doing it, but it's going to be, you know, we're not just going to like come in without without preparation and stuff like that. So um, I, I pitched the idea to Josh and he thought it was great. And then I reached out to Mike and Danny again and to see if they wanted to get involved. And all along the way, Josh's wife, Kelsey, was actually kind of like semi on the fence. I about, was working it, man. Yeah. I was he, where, Josh I was, was doing his part. You know, putting out putting out little feelers, telling her about, you know, I got her to play Skyrim, which was a huge step. And to me, that was like the gateway drug. Oh, for sure. Into D&D &D was once she got into that game, I think it was easier for, easier for her to understand the fun. Plus, we lived in a tiny apartment when we first got married. And, uh, and so when the guys came over to play D&D, because &D, we kept playing even after that first group ended, we started another one and I DM'd it. And uh, 
every week they came over, we'd be in the kitchen, which is basically the living room. And so Kelsey's, she's doing her thing and she's got to like, she has to sit there and watch us play D&D every week. Right. And eventually... And you've hooked her. Yeah, eventually she kind of started thinking that would be fun and got, got that... I think she liked the story aspect of it and the idea of building a character. I think she's a big fan of the narrative. And so that kind of hooked her. And uh, so we played a small game with her and some of uh, our siblings with Reed DMing. And that was, after that game, she was sold. She was like, I'm definitely into playing this. And so that was, it was cool to me because that was our dream team. Like it was, when Reed and I were talking about starting the podcast, we said, we have to get Mike, we have to get Danny. And then Kelsey would, would send it over the top. That would be the perfect D&D group. And, uh, and we had no idea because both Danny and Mike, they have kids, they've got jobs, you know what I mean? Like they've got families that they have to take care of and support and, and, and things they have to do as responsible human beings. And my wife was not interested in D&D, so we didn't really think it would come together necessarily, but it really did. It was really cool the way mm-hmm. that it all worked out. All right, so there were several things in there that I want to circle back to, but the first thing I want to ask Reed is why in the world when you guys played that first D&D game, did you not tell Josh that you took his ideas and made a game out of it? Not even told him it was D&D, just <laughs> kept him going for as long as you could. You know, um, that sounds like something I would do. <laughs> but uh, Just see how long you could keep him. Like, and you're right, close just, enough. No, you, you, got, you got to keep him humble, though. You got to let him know that any good idea he has is just stealing from someone else. Just knock him down a peg. And uh, force him to go back to the grind and figure something else out. Because eventually he'll hit on something original. And that'll be, that'll be the nugget we, we, we might. That's, that's bedrock there. That's it. <laughs> All right. So you guys, you guys mentioned, that, um, mentioned that you had a podcast previously that mm-hmm. crashed and burned. But like, what did you learn from, from that podcast that maybe you brought forward to Sneak Attack? Uh, definitely what not to do. Um, I, th- I think like in a lot of areas of life, like you, you fail at something, the best thing you can walk away from is like, well, if I try something again, like I have a whole list of things I want to do differently. Uh, chief among them is consistency, um, and a direction because, uh, much like, like probably 20% of all podcasts out there right now are just like the nerdy geeky podcasts where they talk, where people give their opinions on movies and TV shows and comics and stuff like that. It's just an oversaturated flood of content from people that are doing it better than you. And so we had no voice in this, in this sea of similar style podcasts. We were just another drop in this enormous bucket and we would not release with any type of consistent schedule. So the small audience we even cultivated, even amongst our friends, they didn't know when episodes were coming out. It was just, it was not great. Um, we 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 walked into these each recording session blind. It was just it wasn't a good a situation. It was good to hang out with friends and just like you know shoot the breeze for a while, but um, nothing of value was ever created out of those episodes. So after it kind of fizzled out, and I, I I got the chance to do like a retrospective. I was like, you know what? If we do it again, consistency has to be like the premier focus. And as soon as we launch, we're telling someone, hey, we're gonna come out. You know every Friday or every other Friday or whatever, whatever it is you land on, you need to stick to that. And, uh, I think that is kind of what has generated the success that sneak attack has had is we have yet to deviate from that course after 112 episodes. Yeah. And, uh, we've never missed a weekend. We've never missed a show. And I'm really proud of that. 
And then also, heck of a run. They, yeah, I mean, I it, honestly, I, I am. That's, that's babies have been born in the, yeah. in the midst of we, that. Holidays have passed. Yep, two marriages, or not two, two kids, um, several weddings of like uh, family members and vacations and sicknesses and all kinds of stuff that um, we've had to work around, but we've never missed. We've never missed a week, so I'm really proud of that. And then just yeah, finding your own voice before you hit record the first time, figuring out what's what you want to tell, what your perspective is. Um, I think that's really important too. And I think we are able to find that with what I mentioned earlier, just uh, the, the really focused storytelling, um, making people feel like they're at the table with us, not just like something where it's just like a, you press play and it's just a, a, a self-narrated audiobook, um, but also the minimal sound effects to kind of like just create that extra layer of ambiance to let people know, okay, no, they're putting the time in to make it feel like a living, breathing thing. Um, and then just the, I know I, I, I joke about like the potato chips and chomping and stuff like that, but just getting rid of distraction stuff that would mm-hmm. annoy or take, right. take people out of the experience. Cause most of the time people are going to be listening to our show with headphones on. And the last thing I want is for people to be crunching on potato chips in someone's ears. Gulping soda. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I, it, that gets to the professionalism of podcasting that really gets overlooked i think which is part of the reason i wanted to do this podcast to look back at that and see like hey this if you're if you want to do something do it right and i always say sometimes about success is success is doing the right things consistently over time that's a little nugget you guys can use that you can write it down on on a poster somewhere josh is writing it'd be great yeah yeah but just the professionalism and the consistency that you guys have have brought is, as you mentioned, a part of part of the reason for the success. But how in the world have you guys maintained that consistent publishing schedule? How how do you get people in the room? Do you do you record five episodes at once? Do you is it weekly? How how do how do you make that work? We we actually we we do have a recording schedule. We record uh, two episodes every other week. Um, so we get together on a night that kind of works for everyone, typically Thursday, and record two episodes. And then we usually have an episode coming out that night that uh, that we're recording. So there's so at any time there's pretty much one episode in the wings, no matter what. So one in the can, you're saying? Yep, yep. So we're recording two, and then there's another one that's kind of sitting waiting to come out. Um, that's tip. That's typically where we're at. Sometimes we have more on the backlog, just because if we know like. Uh, uh, for instance, when when uh, uh, Mike, one of the guys in the podcast, was getting ready to have a kid, we recorded several episodes. Like we recorded several weeks in a row to get a bigger backlog, so that once his baby came, we didn't have to meet as frequently, and we had you know four or five in the wings that could be heard. Sure. That we had we had back to honestly though, the more I think about it and look back on it, there were like dozens of times where we shouldn't have been able to make it where it, you know what I mean? Where one of us got super sick and we didn't think there was going to be something that worked out and maybe just like last minute, there were a couple of times where we literally recorded the night before the episode came out. And then I'm like up till, you know, four in the morning editing it. And I think, I think there is though a level of buy-in from everyone at the table Mm -hmm. that I think makes a really big difference that each and every person that's a part of our podcast, I think sees value in being part of the podcast. Um, and part of that is the audience that showed up that I don't think we were expecting. Yeah, I think if uh, right. if we would have had the level of success that we all expected when we started. Like what, 50 people? Like, yeah, right? like 50 to 100 yeah. people that were into our show. It would have been very easy to get 
lax and like, oh, let's like, I really don't feel like recording tonight. Let's just take a week off, blah, blah, blah. And that's not the right attitude to have um, with whatever your audience size is. But I feel like it would have been easier to fall into that. Um, but because we saw success right away and we saw um, really passionate fans right away, I was like, oh, gosh, like there there's people that are like eating this stuff up and really want more and uh i did not expect this at all but now we've got to like deliver which is great right. that, can't let your fans down yeah that, that's a that's a good problem to have um but yeah was, I, I think uh I, I i approached everyone when i was pitching this idea that was like the first thing i would i told people i said hey if you agree to do this like we're not going to screw around with this like it's not going to be just a, a like a joke hobby we do when we feel like it and everyone has said, yeah, I agree. Like I'm, I'm in, let's do it. And we've all just stuck with it. Oh, that's fantastic. So Josh, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned editing. So what is your editing process? So you're, you're the main guy, right? You, you, you do most of the sound editing. Yes. So what's, what's that process for you? Uh, so it's interesting cause I'm actually, I'm a video editor by trade. That's kind of my, my skill set. Um, that's what I do for a living. But, uh, so, so when it comes to editing the audio, I, I, I'm a big believer in just work with what you know. Mm-hmm. And so sure. uh, the software I know is video editing software, but you can also edit audio within that software. So I use Adobe Premiere Pro, um, and I, I edit all of our episodes within that program. Um, there's a couple you know, things you can do within that program itself to boost the audio, make it sound a little nicer. Um, but really, when we, when we switched from having one single audio track with everyone's voices on it to having uh, individual audio tracks for every single mic. Uh, that enhanced what I was capable of editing like tenfold. I could, when, you know, in moments where everyone's freaking out because something big happened, I can actually hone in and make it so the audience hears whoever's talking that, that they need to hear. Oh, sure. Like, while, while, while the other people are kind of freaking out and I can, it, it, it Ended up, I think, doubling the time it was taking me to edit, but it, it made the edit, I think, so much. Yeah, the quality is I mean, so much better. Hundred times better. Um, and you can you can follow the story better that way. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. It's 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 a it's a personally to me that's a game changer. Yeah. Like, and it's funny because people say we had good audio right out the gate, but for us, the first eight episodes do not sound good. They're like rough because we, we're comparing it to this new kind of setup that we found. Um, but my editing process. I, I typically go, I do two takes on every single episode uh, where I first go through and I cut out all of the dead space, any pauses where we're looking up for notes, times that people are kind of counting the dice, anything that I feel like is uh, dead air. It's not going to be entertaining or interesting and it slows down the story. Yeah, the boring stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also, you know, a good, a good editor needs to have a feel for it and you got to understand when a gap needs to stay or when there needs to be room to breathe, mm-hmm. you know, something big happens or there need, there's kind of a moment that's weighty. Um, I also am thinking the whole time I'm editing through that first take, I'm in, uh, in Adobe Premiere, you have the ability to make marks on your timeline. Okay. And so I actually have color coded marks. This is how like nerdy I get with my editing is I color code mark every single moment that I want to add a sound effect or a feature. And I not only like color code, you know, whether it's an enemy sound effect or a, or a, one of our sound effects or an atmosphere. Um, I, I have a color for each of those, but I also write in the description of the mark exactly what that thing is going to be. So that first edit takes uh, probably the bulk of the time, sometimes four, four hours, four to five hours. But then uh, 
the second edit is the second pass where I add all those sound effects. And, uh, and that's become just basically going through and grabbing each of those marks, dropping in the, uh, the free audio that we downloaded from random websites on the internet mm-hmm. that uh, comes royalty-free. It's not always the greatest, but we also, are work- we also got an awesome deal with uh, Battle Bards, yeah. Yeah. who have a ton of you know, combat sound effects and monster sound effects. So it's kind of a combination between random stuff I find online and Battle Bards, but I'm basically piecing that all in during that second take. And, uh, and yeah, so ultimately, I'd say between like five, seven hours is a typical edit for me. Yeah, but it sounds great. Right on. Yeah, and then you mentioned that setup. So each of you have uh, an individual mic. That's correct. Yep, we all have our own uh, super cardioid microphone that uh, plugs into an eight-channel inter- microphone interface, and then that connects to my laptop just running GarageBand. Nice. Nice. Well, here's the big question, though. How has being recorded changed the way you play? So the, the folks that are sitting around the table, are do you sometimes get lost in the fact that you're being recorded, or are you always hyper-aware that you're being recorded? Has that changed the way you approach D&D? Yeah, I think for me personally, um, I'm always hyper-aware of the fact that we're being recorded um, to the point that I typically don't even look at the other players when we're recording. I'm, I'm either looking down at my notes or just like straight ahead staring blankly into space because I almost need to have a disconnect a little bit and focus on what I'm saying and the fact that it, this is an audio medium rather than uh, a visual one. Because I feel like even if I'm looking at the players, um, there are like gestures and uh, head movements and something that would imply something that isn't spoken and I need to eliminate that. So. Um, I, tr- I try and verbalize everything I possibly can. So mm-hmm. uh, one, of the, one of the things that people have uh, reached out to me a lot uh, since the beginning was just like, um, you know, your, your descriptions in combat and stuff like that are always very interesting. Um, you know, what did you do to get better at that? And for me, it was really just like I had to force myself to imagine that I wasn't sitting around this table, that I was just hearing it for myself. And so... I, I try to always add a little bit of like visual descriptive elements to whatever's going on to reinforce the fact that uh, the the people just listening, not sitting physically sitting around this table, are I'm, I'm giving them the best picture of what of what my players are doing or what an enemy's doing uh, to help keep them as engaged as possible. So for me, it's always it's always there, and even when we're not playing uh, for the podcast, when we're just playing for ourselves, I feel like that's transitioned over to. Like my outside of the podcast gaming, because I find myself being more aware, um, at least like I've, I've DM'd uh, one or two times outside of the podcast. And I take that same methodology to just a standard game without microphones. And I'm, I'm overly descriptive there, too. But also as a player, um, I, it's really nice because it helps me almost form a more fully featured and fully realized character when I'm not just like, all right, yeah, I'm just like a paladin. I'm sure I've got armor and stuff. And then I've got a sword. <laughs> It's so like, no, like, what does my armor look like? Like, yeah. what does it represent? Yeah. Um, it, it forces me to think about these things because I want, you know, D&D is all about telling a good story. And I want to tell the best story possible as a DM or a player. And right. that so much of that is visual cues that help reinforce your character's ideas or motivations or whatever. And so I feel like uh, the podcast has really helped me hone in on that, that element of the, the game as well. I think, I think too, as a, as a player... It, it's pretty hard to, to not be aware of the fact that we're being recorded because a lot of the 
kind of quintessential things that players at a D&D table tend to fall into, you just can't. Mm-hmm. So we, we, mute, we mute all of our phones and put them away before we record. Right. And for anybody who's played a game of D&D, just sitting around at the, the table in the evening, you typically have at least one or maybe two people that when it's not their turn or something's not happening that they're interested in, they're on their phones, they're on Facebook, they're on Twitter, they're just kind of, you know, relaxing, chilling out, looking at news right. while you, the rest of you are playing the game. And, and when we're here at the table, there's, re- there's really no ability to do that. We're not, we don't have snacks, we don't have drinks or food. We're not necessarily relaxing while we're playing. So there, at the same time, there's a level of engagement that all of us have that we probably wouldn't if we, if we weren't being recorded. And one thing, too, that uh, oh, people sure. always ask us is, do you guys play with like mini, you know, miniatures and a battle mat? And I say, no, we, we play with zero visual assistance. Everything we do has to be theater of the mind because as soon as we start using uh, a battle mat and minis, we start getting lazy and our descriptions diminish. And I just say, I move here rather than right. like, well, the audience doesn't know where here is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, we, we constantly need to remind ourselves that mm-hmm. we're playing for, you know, whoever, whoever's listening. It's not just for us. And so um, there's, uh, there's only been one time in the history of our show where I actually had a visual element because I could not for the life of me figure out how to describe this puzzle using just words. It was, I designed something way too complicated and it was <laughs> dumb, but I was so invested into it. I didn't want to scrap it. So I was like, forgive me guys. I'll try and describe it as best I can. But then I, I put a piece of paper on the table. I said, here's, here's the puzzle. And I, <laughs> we, we went with it and it was fun. And uh, I think, I think the point still got across, but yeah, that and was, we, uh, we tweeted it out. I made a gift. That's right. That's of the right. actual, of the actual puzzle. Like the working layout of the, of the puzzle yeah. and how it was solved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bonus content. It's great because your show really is vivid. And the descriptions and, and you can tell that there are no minis, no maps. And, and it's not bogged down with that. Okay, your character moves 20 feet. What's my movement speed? Am I in a position to attack? What's great is, hey, with that theater in mind, if you say you can make an attack, then you know that you're in position to make an attack, and the listener can can follow that, which really makes the makes it go snappy, and it also is really vivid as well. And then I I love it. Uh, what I really want to get to is um, the the table feel that you guys have, the how it how it is around around the table, and I love it because I'm. I'm not just a nerd. I am an awkward nerd. And so I'm like the nerdiest. Like, I am not quick on my feet. So I think of something funny to say 15 minutes later. <laughs> You're the George Costanza of d and I really am. And so I love how you guys are zipping through uh, your, your banter and, and just the, the, the way you guys interact around the table. And here's my question. So how did you decide for that tone? So was it in, intentional? Was it something you stumbled into? And like, what are, what are the, some of the things that you guys are proud of, of the, the tone of your show? Um, That's a good question. Yeah, I think, I think the tone was something that kind of developed itself over time. Um, we had an idea of just like, again, more than anything, we want to just present a podcast of five friends hanging out playing D together, D&D together. Um, our tone when we're not playing D&D is sarcastic. We rip on each other. Um, we hardly ever take things seriously. And so that just naturally 
came it came across in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like as we figured out not our roles, but just like almost almost natural uh, roles developed where like. Mike can go a whole episode without saying anything, but then when he does chime in, it just cool. it brings everyone to tears because of how funny it is and just off the moments. Exactly. He just he, he steps up, set delivers his line and then just disappears into the mist. He's our he's our symbol crash. Like, yeah. Whenever he talks, you know that's the moment to laugh. And it's uh he doesn't try for that and we don't like we don't set him up for it. It just happens. And uh obviously Kelsey is the heart and like the soul of this group is that she's always going to uh, keep everyone on track and keep notes and make sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, which without her, I think we probably like the whole group would have died five episodes in and then we would have had to roll new characters. Well, so. And the funny thing is, is she actually is like set has kind of settled into that role, even outside the podcast when we're meeting, just talking yeah, about yep. stuff. She's like, okay, well, let's get stuff written down. Let's like, let's, cause you guys are just <laughs> talking fantastic. about ideas, but like, what's the plan? Yeah. And so, she she keeps us grounded for sure. Yeah, and so uh, I I think it, it it wasn't a deliberate like all right, Danny's going to be this guy and Mike's going to be this guy. And we're all going to fit this what you know this uh, stereotypical mold of, of what we feel like a good group dynamic should be. It just kind of happened because we know each other. We've been we've been friends for years mm-hmm. before we ever hit play. And yeah, uh, you know. So and that chemistry I think comes out too. Yeah. Is uh, but okay. So can I nerd out a little bit? Uh, Absolutely. You can totally delete Please this if do. you want to, because I realize it could just be totally just way out of left field. But so I love um, I love characters. I love writing. I, I really enjoy story. And I learned about this thing while we were in the middle of I think our first year uh, called the four humors. You ever heard of this? No. Uh, so in storytelling, there are these like four I- idyllic character types that make up a fantastic group, and they've consistently been used. And popular culture and movies and TV shows, like for years and years, it's uh, it's something that you can you can see replicated in Seinfeld and Ninja Turtles, and uh, where you just have you have these you have the goofy character that heads in the clouds, doesn't really seem to be super aware of other people. Um, you have the character that is uh, very aggressive and knows what they want, probably could be a leader, but is a little too um, too driven in some ways. And you have another character whose kind of uh, essence is kind of beyond themselves. They're kind of tapping into something greater than themselves, uh, typically an, an intellectual or, in our case, uh, a wizard. And then you have a uh, um, your, your kind of quintessential leader character that's very aware of everyone else but has a, does an incredible job of kind of honing everything together and finding the, the kind of the, the point of it all. And I remember when I, when I started learning about these different character types, I immediately started plugging them in and realized that we had accidentally landed into every single one of these four humors with our characters, which which I, I think may, maybe it doesn't mean anything, but I thought it was just kind of interesting. Well, and what I like about that is that's the first time ever I've heard Seinfeld and Ninja Turtles compared in any sort of way whatsoever. <laughs> They're both based so, out of New York. They're both based out of New York. <laughs> all right, all right. And the first convention I'll, I'll, we went to I'll accept was, that. Yes, the parallels are just too deep. <laughs> really, it's this is like the ring theory. It's all coming together. This is this is amazing. Um, yeah, but it, okay. So here, here's here's what I want to do. Here's here's me personally talking about the podcast. It is crazy to me. Uh, and again, I I've told you guys that I haven't gotten all the way through. 
But I love that the party is split up all oh, about 90% of the time. <laughs> and in terms of adventuring parties, I've never seen a party that good-naturedly undermines the goals of every other party member at every single every turn. twist and turn. Yep, every turn. Every turn. And, and it's not it's not mean, it's not malicious, it's not like these are, you know, chaotic, neutrally aligned characters. They're just like, eh, I'm not going to do what you want to do. Yeah. And it's, it's, Reed, I don't know how in the world you chase these guys around. He's dying it is, a little inside right it now. Is, it is fantastic. I love it. I've never seen a party quite like this. It's great. There, there was a moment uh, pretty early on where I had, not like a super huge mega adventure world changing type of experience, but an adventure I'd put a, a fair amount of time into, um, that, so I like, I, I, I gave them the pitch. The NPC was there, uh, just hinted enough at, at adventure, gave them the opportunity to pursue it. And everyone was just like, I feel like we should go the other way instead. And I was just like, there's nothing over there guys, <laughs> but okay. And, uh, they walked away and that was that. And, and I, I can imagine a single tear just, just, it's just, just it's me getting out a pencil and just putting a giant X through my notes <laughs> and uh, ripping the page out and crumpling it up ceremoniously. It's, it, 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 it was probably, it was probably within the first 10 episodes, something like that happened. And I had, I just, I had to say to myself, okay, this is how it's going to be. I can't get too attached to things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, once, once you get knocked down uh, that early on, you, you, you stop setting yourself up for those types of like big win moments. But uh uh, for the most part, they do a pretty decent job of like picking up those breadcrumbs. But there's been a few other instances along the way where the same thing has happened. And uh, most recently, I think, um, no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. But they were in the Elf Island, and uh, there was some guy they met on the road. That oh, this this was actually funny. It was a continuation of that first one that they turned down. I liked the story so nice. much that I figured out a way to work it back into the world. Yeah, I just I, that's a GM right there. Yeah. I was just like, you know what? It wasn't the NPC that was important. It was the story, so I can make it whatever. And so, uh, yeah, it was a different NPC, but it was more or less the same story. But they didn't know they didn't realize it at the time. And again, he 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 made his plea. It was beautiful. He had, uh, he he spent the time talking about all what what he was searching for, how they could help, how they could. Uh, save the day for when they just went nah <laughs> not, a, not nope. good enough we got another thing going on right now we'll catch you later it's, we're gonna go chase a chicken yeah. I think I think the, the, the center of all those problems even when it's not just like the players not doing what the DM would hope but also when other players aren't doing what other players are hoping they would do I think a lot of it is that we've really like decided early on that our decisions are gonna be based on what, our, what we feel our characters would do that we've fleshed out these characters we've created backstories for all of them we know what their key motivations are and even if it goes counter to the rest of the group i have to pursue what my character would do right you have a gnome in your party a gnome's going to know <laughs> that's correct and if if mike knows he's going to go left even though the rest of us said let's do right he's going to go left <laughs> all right so you guys man you to, to say you have a faithful audience is a is an understatement. So what has been your approach to marketing? Like, ha, how have you gotten the word out? Have you been shocked at how the word just got out organically? Like, what has been your approach to that? Um, our marketing has been just try and be cool to people online. Really? I like it. 
we don't have we don't have a budget for these things. We don't promote ourselves in any way, um, apart from you know social media, which is free. And we we hit new and noteworthy on iTunes, which I think was our first. Big yeah. Run. Yep. And Mike, uh, our designer, created an awesome logo. I can't tell you how many people early on said. I saw your I saw your logo on iTunes and thought I'd check it out be, just because of how good it is. And to his credit, it is a fantastic mark. We even had bigger podcasts who were like, "Hey, I don't even I haven't even listened to these guys, but I just got to say this logo is nice." Yeah, so um, <laughs> nice. Uh, that that was a huge win right out the gate. Um, and I think like we all have these these brands or these uh, groups of creators that we look up to. Um, so like I I think to myself. Like if I tweet at someone on Twitter and they respond to me, I think that's the coolest thing in the that world. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I try my very hardest just to actually engage in conversations with people on Twitter and not just like, not just see them come in and ignore it or something like that. I'm, I'm going to try and respond. Even if it's like, even if it's not a question and I can just say, Hey, thanks for listening. I know that means a lot. So, um, that's just been my strategy. Like with social media is just, uh, really try and let people know that I do value that they're listening and that they're a part of the show. And hopefully that type of uh, just positivity and just, Hey, thanks for being here. Um, will spread throughout. Uh, we'll spread throughout other people to be like, Hey, there's a really cool show. And um, the guy tweeted me, like I, I wrote about it and he tweeted me back. So like, just go check him out and his friends will listen and they'll tweet at me and then I'll tweet him back. And hopefully that spreads. But um, yeah. there's, there hasn't been anything uh, I guess lately um, th- within the last, uh, within the last year, we've had some like outward facing opportunities that are bigger than just social media. For example, we had, uh, Kelsey and I were on an episode of Dragon Talk, which is the official Wizards of the Coast, like D and D with Greg Tito, Greg Tito mm-hmm. and Shelly Mazanoble and, uh, oftentimes like uh, Chris Perkins or Ari Salvatore and just other people in, uh, famous in the D&D with slash Wizards community. Um, they had us on to talk about the show once, which was um, incredible. It was a huge honor, and it was a huge um, like exposure boost towards people that are huge sure. fans of the brand and the product got to, got to see about it. So that was, a, that was an excellent marketing opportunity. Um, and then lately, the conventions that we've been going to um, it has been a great help as well. Just to be out, out there actually meeting the fans is such it's a, the best. it's incredible. Yeah. Um, we went to a convention at Vassar college in Poughkeepsie, New York, uh, earlier this March. Um, that was incredible. And at the end of this month, end of July, we're going to Hoover, Alabama, um, for a, a sci-fi fantasy convention down there as well. So, um, just those opportunities, I think we like to jump on and, um, even if, like, in the case of uh, the one in Alabama, it's just going to be Josh, Kelsey, and myself. So we can't do, like, a full-featured game or mm-hmm. really represent the show the same way that you would expect, like, if you were to listen on a Friday. But uh, it's just another opportunity for us to reach out and, and meet the people that are passionate about the show, which to us is more than enough reason to go down there. So There's, there's some language that Reed has just started consistently using, like, from really early on that I think has helped establish... Are, are more like put a name to, I feel like, what has helped our audience to feel so connected. But he says, almost every time he sees a new person comment on Twitter, he says, thanks for joining us at our table, or we're glad to have you at our table. And I think one of the things that I've heard a lot of people say is they feel like they found a group of friends, kind of in our friendships, kind of getting to sit on and, and listen in, which I think is a super cool connect. And so 
when we meet people in like in real life that have been listening, it is sort of a like, uh, hey, these are my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. These are people that I've been hanging out with every Friday. And for us, um, whenever we meet someone who's been a listener for a long time, it's it, I feel like I'm the one who's the fan. Right. Because I'm going, you listen to me? Yeah. <laughs> like, you care about Seriously. the thing we're doing? Like, yeah. I want you to sign my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, guys, I love it. Love it. Like, just that phrase, like, just be cool to people online. You know, just that. I mean, that should not be a novel thought, but here we are. Yeah. You know, just, just how that stands out. And, hey, you guys are good humans, you know. And the next thing you know, you guys are big in Poughkeepsie and um, Hoover, Alabama. And who would have guessed it? You know, just being cool to people online crazy. would bring that. So. That's nuts. Yeah. All right. Final question. What else uh, What else are you guys nerding out on? Uh, Josh, take this one. For, I'll, 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 I'm thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> I think I'm the most nerd of our entire podcast. Uh, Agreed. So I don't think anyone would argue. Board games, you said. I'm board a games. Huge board game fan. Um, uh, Sellers of Catan is probably the, the best board game ever. What? Oh, I guess I, I am building a board game. We, I have. We are making a game. Yeah. Reed and I and a couple of our friends have been working on a game for probably four years that we're hoping to. Let me guess you trade sheep and for wood? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Wait, and, wait how'd you know? Uh, <laughs> A, and I want lots of lots of hexagons. Yeah. I'm just seeing lots of hexagons. It's going to fit together, modular. Every time you play, it's different. Uh, you know, we'll call it something about like settling, and then give it a weird name. Uh, Perfect. But but for real, uh, probably one of my favorite hobbies is I love painting miniatures. We don't play with yeah. them, but I I now have accrued hundreds in a yeah. little storage area. And um, did you get the recent bones? I did bones uh, set yeah. three. I got that. I I painted a. A frost giant already, and I think it was legit looking too. Working on some ogres, that's it's fun stuff, man. It's a fun hobby. Okay, this this is this is my experience with Josh. He will find something random that he thinks is cool. In a week, he'll be a master at it. (laughs) And I'm just like, I don't know how this is possible because he just like I'm just gonna start like I'm gonna I have this minifigure oh because we both backed. the Hero Forge Kickstarter, yeah, which is like yeah. a custom three D. Oh my printed. gosh! If you haven't checked them out, go yeah, to Hero, Hero Forge. Forge. We've, Forge. we've written about them them on the site before. They're they're great. We both backed their Kickstarter, and so Josh got his his dwarf miniature that he customized, and he's like, "I want to paint it. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna paint it." So he bought a mini just to test before he painted <laughs> the real right. thing. I forgot that. That's why. And your and your first <laughs> one was actually not bad, but then like your second one, second try ever, and it was really good. I'm just like. How the crap is this possible? It's just it's like, an obsessive personality yeah. and zero sleep. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. uh, for myself, honestly, uh, I've been I've been nerding out a lot on a, a bunch of different things lately. Um, I've gotten very very into sci-fi stories lately. Um, really try like digging into kind of like not the hard sci-fi, which is like all based on like very serious logic systems and like e- galactic economy and stuff like that, but just like really, mm-hmm. really cool, uh, like sci-fi stories. Mass Effect is one of my favorite g- video game series of all time. And so I just, I'm looking for more stuff that like intrigues me that way. Um, also I've been really big into like Twitch streaming lately, which is, um, never something I, th- like, I always kind of laughed at people that like watched other people play games, but I've watched a lot of, like, I'm really big into watching people on Twitch now. And I don't know, I'm just like, I'm super into that. And like, it's, it's interesting to me as a like 
as an internet personality, as weird as that sounds, uh, watching other people, other internet personalities engage with their audience in this way. And I think that's really, it's such a unique way to reach an audience like that. So I think that's really cool. You got, you got gift just this last week. Oh gosh. Someone yeah. took him dancing in front of his so, computer. Turned so into yeah. a gift. So I, I, I've been streaming a little bit. <laughs> you are immortalized. But yeah. I've, I've been streaming a little bit and <laughs> that never goes away. My friend yeah. it's up there for all time. Permanent, I've already saved it. Permanent ink. Saved it made permanent ink. The way back machine. <laughs> And, uh, and we'll yes, I've, I've been streaming a little bit and, and reaching, like, it's been a lot of Sneak Attack fans that have shown up, and that's been really cool to, to engage with uh, our fans in that way. But, uh, um, yeah, just that, and uh, there's, uh, I've, been, I've, been, I've been telling people that, um, I know you're only, like, 50-some-odd episodes into Sneak Attack, but... Um, no spoilers. No, no spoilers. I, I promise there's no spoilers. But um, where we're at now, about episode 112, um, we're seeing the finish line. Yeah. Of this this Valisar saga, this big thing that's going on right yeah. now. Um, and so I've been really obsessing over what does the future of Sneak Attack look like. And blow it up in new characters? It, I, I think, yeah, it's just like Adam Bomb, start from scratch, let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think that's what's been really exciting me lately. Is And that's like, I'm, I'm almost spending more time writing the next thing than I am our current thing, which is probably not great. <laughs> But, uh, but that's like, that's how excited I am about it. I haven't been this excited about a new idea, uh, since I started writing sneak attack almost three years ago. So, um, you know what I love about Reed? Can I just gush a little bit? Like, please do. He, he's such a good storyteller and he's got such an intellect that there are things happening in this finish line of our, of our story. Like we're in probably the last year of sneak attack, but there's still things that he, that he mapped out three months before we started recording the first episode that have yet to been revealed and are still like, we're still waiting on and things are still developing. And that blows my mind. It takes yeah, coming toward the payoff serious. It takes as a DM I've, I've dungeon mastered before and I will just full sale tell everybody what I'm planning. Cause it's just, it's too fun for me to it's share. Hard to keep story. It. It's hard to keep those secrets for yeah. sure. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well guys, Seriously, seriously, thank you for uh, for being cool to people online. Uh, sneak Attack's great. I've enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Um, just the episodes that I've gotten, and it's been fun to listen to you guys uh, nerd out on just about that and other things, and appreciate you guys being on the show. Oh, Clay, appreciate it very much. Thank you for having yeah, us. We're honored. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Take care. Yep, you too. You too, Clay. Thank you for listening to Nerdy Jobs. We hope you enjoy getting a behind-the-scenes look at one of the nerdy things we love. We do podcasts differently at nerdsonearth.com. We feature a variety of short-run shows, and we drop the episodes all at once, Netflix style. We do this so that you can enjoy a variety of topics and consume them however you want to. But we track which of our shows should receive a second season. What that means is if a show meets certain thresholds and things like download numbers or iTunes reviews, then it lets us know that you want more. So, do you want more episodes of Nerdy Jobs? If so, it's up to you to let us know. And the way to do that is to leave us an iTunes review. Make sure you make note that you're casting a vote for Nerdy Jobs to get a second season, meaning more interviews with creators. Thank you so much for listening. Later, nerds.